I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho-ho. Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. All right, man. Right on. Well, hey, good luck in Milwaukee, and uh, I'll be seeing you next week at the ballpark during the Angels series. All right, thanks. Padres Twitter legend King Phil Hughes has been designated for assignment. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 And welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the 5.5 Podcast. Boy, Eric. Uh, and by the way, Danny Ortiz and Eric Laboo here with a very special guest we'll introduce in a moment. But damn it, I cannot escape tragedy in my life, Eric. Yeah, I mean, me neither. All, all good things in my life that I have, when it comes to Padres, I lose. So yes. um, I'm, I'm used to it. Um, I'm used to it. You would think that after a while I, it would just be second nature. Um, but for some reason, I still get surprised when it happens to me. So. Yes, I guess it's just something we have to get used to. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, we're going to have a very interesting take on the San Diego Padres. Growing up a Padre fan, we actually have. Uh, he is an EVT and USD Sports Editor contributor. Anderson is in the uh, lovely studio. Welcome, sir. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Yes, sir. So we want to wish him a happy birthday. He just turned 21. Yesterday. Uh, yesterday. He's and here with a massive hangover, allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. But uh, <laughs> like a strong-willed young man, not only did he have a good choice in spending the night in PB, but he is uh, gutting one out today to be on the show. So we appreciate it because you look uh, very dehydrated. A little bit. Trying to hydrate. Basically spent the night in PB and now I'm back here to record the podcast. So. Hell yeah, dude. Yes, and he's sir. going to be there on Sunday. Make sure you guys show up to Bay City Brewing. Uh, it starts at 5 p.m. for the Kept Faith. They're doing the trivia at 5 p.m., uh, live pod at 6.30, so make sure you guys show up. But, um, yeah, Anderson Hagler is on Twitter at ahagler5, um, contributor to uh, East Village Times, sports editor at uh, USD Vista, uh, most unfortunately, uh, knower slash friend of our pal Patrick Morgan. Um, so why don't you break it down a little bit? What do you do for uh, USD Vista as a sports editor? Yeah, so USD Vista, that's the on-campus paper for the University of San Diego. Um, as a sports editor, I just cover all of USD's Division One sports. Uh, a lot of baseball, basketball has been really interesting. I'm excited to cover football. And yeah, just going out, getting the interviews, getting it done. So basically, it, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong because I'm ignorant to all of it, but like, it sounds like you're like the head there, like you're in charge of all that shit. Yeah. And you just turned 21. Yeah, as far as sports go, it's pretty much a one-man show, or at least it has been in the past. So uh-huh. a lot of kind of running around frantically to try and get these <laughs> stories done right. before it's time to print it. But it's been a lot of fun. One of my favorite things I've done at USD. That's cool. So what's the what's the, the end game? Like, what's the ultimate goal? And, and keep in mind, I know you're 21. That could change. But what's the end goal? I want to cover a major league team, hopefully the Padres. It might take me a while to get there. But being a beat reporter, being somebody on camera, on field, doing that kind of stuff, Really, just anything covering pro baseball, though, would be the hope for after college. Cool. I mean, right on, man. Hey, did you hear the Padres cut Phil Hughes? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a tough time. I think we're all slowly getting through it. I don't know which stage of grief that we're in. God, I might, man. I'm still in denial. I think, I think I'm bargaining a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, it's um, it's and and I wanna I wanna get your your take on uh, being a younger Padre fan, but I I did want to kind of talk about the Phil Hughes thing because a lot of people and it kind of bugs the shit out of me when people are like oh hey he came on your podcast it's your guys's fault I'm like first of all it's not uh i think it's all, phil hughes's fault i mean i love the guy but uh yeah he wasn't doing himself any favors unfortunately yeah i mean it it's it is what it is baseball it's it's a business and if you look at on paper it i mean it's the right move and even phil knows that so um i guess that the, the thing that I liked about it is he was interactive, and he was he's loved still by Padres Twitter because he interacts with us. He's still like, interacting with us. He's yeah, still He posts on Padres yeah. Meat Twitter after he got DFA. Yeah, so, like immediately after, with a couple of very impressive dishes, I might add. Yeah, and it's just like, um, you guys remember Jared Weaver, right? Yeah. Dude, Jared Weaver, like, he was serving up steaks. <laughs> like, that guy got, he was just annihilated in a Padre uniform, but everyone loved him because he sat there talking about drinking beers and playing long toss with Mazone. You know what I mean? So it was just, uh, it was it was a good time. I'll always remember the Phil Hughes era. So thank you, Phil. 
Thank you, yeah, Phil. We, we appreciate it. We actually have, uh, if you guys didn't see it, check out uh, Eric's media tab on his Twitter page. We have the infamous Phil Hughes Tribute Memorial jersey hanging <laughs> right behind me, I might add. Yeah. Yeah, very well done, Eric. Do you do that yourself? Uh, I, I bought it, actually. I bought it from with the, the Philippines. With the scotch tape on it, huh? <laughs> actually, one of our listeners, um, one of our followers from the Philippines and in India sent it to me. So, um, wow. thank you very much for that. But... Um, yeah, so basically, <laughs> we totally poached Anderson from the Kept Faith. Um, he was on, what, two, three weeks ago? Yeah, just about. Yeah, about two, three weeks ago. And I, I found a really interesting conversation because you just turned 21. Um, I'm 20, what, 28? Uh, were you 31? Two. Yeah, 32. 32. Yep, over the hill. So kind of with us, like, we were kind of towards the tail end of Tony's career, but we still had Tony. You know what I mean? And, and kind of hearing your story that you were telling about kind of growing up and the players that you were uh, kind of attached to at the time, I thought it was really interesting. So you don't remember watching Tony play whatsoever. I don't. My dad tells me that I saw him play. We were talking about this the other day. But, I mean, I have memories of the queue. I remember it just seemed really big. I was, that was where I went to my first ball game with my dad. But, yeah, I really can't say I remember, like, seeing him play. So... Why are you a Padre fan? <laughs> that's a, yeah, I mean, that's a funny question. I guess, I think I got to give it to my dad. I mean, he's, he wasn't born here. He's been living here for 30 years. But, I mean, he said when I was born, he, he just decided we were going to start watching games and go for that. And now, now it's just kind of like one of those things where they're so bad and they've been so bad for so long that, like, I feel like invested in them. I feel like it's just been like a part of my life weaving in and out. And, like, you know, we're just kind of grown together. I'm getting older. Padres might be getting better. So are they like your lovable losers? I'd say so. I mean, it's <laughs> at the point, and I think all my friends would agree. Like, it'll be like, say, we got a three-run lead, like top nine. I'm like, yeah, they're gonna blow this. Like, and it's just like this <laughs> sick, twisted sense of just like, just so cynical about it. Yeah. But like deep down, you love them. But like, I've just been broken and beat down, like every other Padres fan has, with all the brutal losses and just stupid things that have happened. Yeah. That you're just kind of numb to. You're numb to it almost. So let me ask you, Anderson, because you just turned 21 yesterday. So about 10 years ago is the last time the Padres were actually like a relevant major league team. They were on a decent run of like. 2010, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. 2010, 2008. Actually, they were coming off like you know a winning season. They had won. They had winning seasons. 04, 05, 06. And then uh, 07. So, for for Eric and I, like the ninety the ninety six, especially the ninety eight seasons, like those were amazing for you. And those were our first playoff experiences as fans. For you, how was that like? Because for me, for like 04 through 07 seasons, I was like, oh, these teams aren't that good. Like this isn't exciting baseball. It's kind of like underwhelming. For you, how was it seeing that as your first experience of like? good quote-unquote good Padre teams like what was the vibe for you at the time were you like excited were you like oh this is amazing or a little bit more jaded well I think like those teams you mentioned lined up perfectly when I was actually old enough and kind of smart enough to actually seriously follow the game and standing stats and watching on TV and understanding what's going on I mean about the same time I started to get serious about playing baseball too and I think in the beginning I took it for granted because like all right this is my first year following them like Padres are good like I don't know why they wouldn't be good you know just younger me thinking that and as they kind of began their slow decline into mediocrity I just kind of it started to sink in that the Padres are bad more often than not (laughs) yeah I mean it's like so the last time that they were good and we had that 2010 season which literally went down to the the last day of the The last pitch when we lost to the Giants there I mean it was they were 90 and 72 that year so it's like like Danny was saying and what he was referencing for us it's like yeah right now sucks like it really sucks but we know and we remember what it was like to be in the World Series, like 1998. And, like, I think – I won't speak for Danny, but I stick around because I want to get back there. Yeah, like, what, no, absolutely. Why, why do you stick around? Yeah, Is it what, like, hey, what reason? I hope John Garland comes back and, you know, 2010 happens again. Like, <laughs> what, what is there – yeah, what is there at your age to really hold on to at this point? I mean, at times it seems like – inconceivable that the Padres could ever be good but I watch fan bases like Chicago you know they had their drought obviously and they finally kind of snapped the you know year-long or the year's record of not having World Series and I want that at Petco Park and I hear from guys like you and older people who have been around physically at those games and it's really really hard for me to imagine Petco Park ever being that rocking with that many actual Padres fans not the opposing team <laughs> yeah. but I can see it you know if you just think really hard I can picture it 
and just even the games I go to in person at Peck where they win, like there's times it is there's flashes of it, of what it could be, of what that environment could be like. So I guess just hoping, and I feel kind of kind of invested because it's been so long for my entire life they've been bad, and like I haven't given up on them. So I just I want to see it through. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting interesting uh, take you have because like. You know, like I said, the Padres, you were born in 97, right? Yes. So by the time the Padres were, well, you were seven by the time they were good when Pekka opened. So that's pretty much all you've known. So Eric brought something up when he told me he's going to bring you on the show uh, that he wanted to go over. It was like, for us, we definitely relate to, like, Trevor is Eric's guy. I think you love Tony, too. But, like, Trevor is our era. Tony Gwynn was a player that I actually loved before I loved the Padres. I didn't really care about the Padres until Tony retired. Who's the player that you relate to? Because you didn't really have... A Tony, I mean, was it like Nevin? Was it Klesko? Was it Peavy, maybe? Who was your guy as a kid? I mean, that's the thing. I feel like a lot of people, you'll hear them reflect, like, oh, like, back when I was a kid, like, so-and-so was my hero, you know, my hometown. And there weren't any of those players I would think about. Like, all right, like, it's got to be, like, my favorite player has got to be on the Padres. And there was just nobody. Like, nobody really stands out. I think I mentioned Khalil Green on the Kept Faith <laughs> podcast. But even he was kind of... A flash in the pan, he was gone before you yeah. ever really had the chance to appreciate him. So there's not a lot of options. I think Kyle Blanks was fun. But oh my god, really you shot. mentioned Kyle Blanks. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget his inside the park home run at Petco, but I mean, yeah. probably Trevor Hoffman. I mean, him being kind of, you know, local down here, like living in Del Mar, I saw him at the beach, just walking by a couple times, and I really felt like he was probably my guy. Okay. Okay. I mean, you saw the very tail. Like you saw, like you saw, like smoke and mirrors, Trevor. You, you saw didn't like see eighty-seven miles Trevor. an hour, yeah. Trevor Hoffman. You didn't get to see ninety-eight miles an hour with a yeah. sixty-five change. Wow, that's that's just insane to me. Like, like, what about your buddies? I'm sure your, your friends are all around your age, maybe a little bit older. Like, are they kind of in the same boat, or do you got do you have friends that were born here that follow other teams because they're like, hey, I can't take this anymore. I think at this point, all my friends are Potters fans now. But, I mean, there's a few of us who have been following the team for longer. But I think now that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, I don't want to say bandwagon because, I mean, everybody's from here. This is their hometown team, too. Right. But I'm noticing a lot more people my age, at least in the kind of the social circle I run in, are starting to pay attention, kind of buy into the rebuild, I guess. Yeah, but, like, even Danny and I, we've never seen the Padres. And I know it's a different ownership group, different front office. But, like, we've never seen the Padres attempt to do that and have it actually work. Yeah, we almost had it. And then... Preller sold it all off, and then it just kind of like... Well, actually, it wasn't even that. It was once Hoyer left, they kind of went a different direction. They tried to do both. Yeah. And it just... This is like the first time, even us, that we've seen like, wow, they're actually almost there. So at this point, you guys are just like, jump on jump. You guys are living on a prayer. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> basically. I think there's definitely times... I don't think he knows who that is. I don't think he's old <laughs> enough. <laughs> there's definitely times I think it's a pretty uh, familiar opinion to be shared among Padres... Twitter Padres fandom that there's times when you're more excited about the minor league games than you are about the big league squad. I mean, we've made a couple trips out to Lake Elsinore, but I think that's what's getting us through it is seeing, I mean, of course Tatis got hurt, but seeing Urias, seeing the young pitchers come up, I think that is the glimmer of hope that's keeping us afloat as far as, you know, loving the Padres. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. And, and honestly, that's the only thing that keeps me around is yeah. because I, I do see, like you said, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, even though sometimes it makes it hard to stay on that track and on that tunnel heading towards that light. But um, it's just, <laughs> I, I can't believe it because it just blew my mind when I heard you on the Kept Faith. I'm like, oh my God, there's people out there that are in your exact situation. And it's just, it, it's crazy to me that you guys can still keep the faith, so to speak. Um, but it's like, it's even more so why I feel like with generations that are coming up at this point, we need to have a player, we being the Padres, they need to have a player that comes up and sticks with them, and they need to sign that guy long-term and keep him on the roster, keep him around like Tatis. You know what they need is an Adam Jones. An Adam Jones? What, a guy from San Diego? No, 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 no. An Adam Jones in that, like, he's been – and they've gone through tons of players, right? And even as great as Machado was, the face of the franchise really was Adam Jones for the Orioles. Like, he's that guy. He was their first guy that came up that was, like, this young, hotshot prospect that was there during the shit years – and then was there once the team finally turned it around and became like a playoff contender. I mean, they made it to what, the ALCS? Like, the Padres need that guy. They need one guy who's like, hey, he's been here. He was here when we were shitty. 
and he's here now that we're finally turning around and building around him. They need that guy. Cool. We'll just trade Will Myers for him. Not not Adam Jones, the player. <laughs> you know what I mean. The symbol of Adam Jones. The symbol of The Adam hero Jones. we deserve. Yeah. So, uh, obviously, Tatis would, I'm assuming, be number one. But, I hope to uh, Taking Tatis out of that, um, following the system and having the farm system be the light at the end of the tunnel, who's the guy where you're like, hey, that's my guy? I agree with a lot. I heard him speak at the uh, social summit, and he, I thought he was really cool. Partial second baseman, but mm-hmm. lately, like within the last couple of days, even Fatino. Okay. I, am I saying that name right? Fatino, I think Fatino. it is. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, I mean, seeing him go high nineties with movement, that cut on his fastball, I've been really high on that lately. Yeah. Even I mean, even then, he's still down in Fort Wayne. I mean, I feel like yeah. he'll move quick. He'll but... probably be in Elsinore next year in Double A the following year. Yeah. And then it gets. Then it gets real. And keep in mind, it's it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny to me that we're talking about the light at the end of the tunnel when the guy we have on today, him and his buddy John, both times I've seen you guys at the games, you're wearing Sardinius jerseys and uh, <laughs> Chassin jerseys. How do you guys get your hands on jerseys like that? At least they're 98s. Yeah. Yeah, so we were at the game and we walked by and I've always wanted one of those throwback style jerseys. I probably wouldn't buy any other jersey because mm-hmm. I think the uniforms suck. Yeah. But Agreed. we see them and they were game used. They had the pants, too, which I might have to make an addition to the outfit. But, <laughs> just wear it to Petco. But, yeah, I mean, we're just coming through them because they're game used and they're weird size. I mean, the ballplayers actually wore them. So yeah. the Sardinius one, second baseman, but also it was the only one that kind of fit me. I really wanted this Glenn Hoffman one, but it was uh, it, it went down to my knees. I, yeah, he's like six foot three, pal. Yeah. yeah. So we get there. We kind of pick out the ones we want. We don't know how much they are. We ask him. I was like, yeah, that'll be uh, like $150 each. Hmm. Maybe it's a little, yeah, it was about 150 each, and we're just like, okay, and like, no way, so we try and haggle with him, and surprisingly, the guy was willing to make a deal. I think we got him down to about 90 bucks a piece, and because wow. me and my friend just went in on one purchase, so he was uh-huh. willing to bundle them, but that was not what I was expecting from Petco Park, somebody willing to make a deal, <laughs> Yeah. but yeah, that's the story. I think we have, mine's Sardinius, one of my friends is Jabari Blash, we have a Ryan Schimpf, and we have a Julius Chassin, who has been pitching surprisingly well and yeah Chassin I think obviously is the only one who's still in the big leagues <laughs> at all so so um you mentioned haggling for those jerseys at Petco now that you turn 21 are you gonna try that with beer next oh god I mean they're just so expensive I mean I I'm going broke like I'll, I'll have my I mean obviously before I had to have my friends buy them for me but you have two shock <laughs> Not tops that we have the Allegedly. drinking yeah but it runs you 30 bucks just to get two shock tops for example and yeah it's, it's absurd you see what other teams are doing with I want to say it's the Falcons do like affordable concessions, mm-hmm. normal priced. Yeah, but and even the the A's are doing the thing now to where if you sign up for the membership, you get fifty percent off of concessions and, it's and like too. yeah, and like four dollar twenty ounce beers. It's it's absolutely absurd that the Padres aren't uh, going after that. So uh, you kind of mentioned uniforms. I mean, I, we we talk about uniforms from time to time. Obviously, a guy that never experienced brown, I didn't either. Uh, if you had to pick your if you had a if you had a pick between the brown, the ninety eight, like the blue, then early 90s to late 90s the blue and orange um obviously you don't like the current which one are you going with well i was invited to the focus group and really i think i can talk about it now because i mean they make you sign the nda uh-huh. um i think yeah ac ran the article on it and they had a lot of interesting combinations it was basically imagine every possible from the beginning of the potter's jerseys to the 98 ones everything in between to the new ones and it's almost like they combined all of them i think they had five choices and they had one that I really liked where it was it was the 98 colors with an upgraded or an updated word mark on the front so a little bit of modern a little bit of retro so yeah I'd say I'm partial to that that was probably my favorite option out of those but yeah. was that the one you voted for yeah we, we did a lot of voting but that was the one I gave the highest marks that's I hope the one I'm most interested in seeing I wish they would release like I hope they when when they finally go to uni that they released like the concept art for because I really want to see how that '98 themed one. I looked. wanted to take a picture so bad. They take your, they took our phones. <laughs> yeah. and Damn, dude! It was, was it like a Jeter penthouse or something? It was, it was right there. <laughs> Damn, dude! <laughs> so did they tell you guys the numbers and how the vote shook out? Like the participants? It was no. They didn't tell us what everybody else was responding. They said, "Don't look at other people. Don't even look at yours." Like they, like it said in the article, you would turn the dial from like uh-huh. zero to one hundred or like zero to ten. Yeah. But at the end, they had um, everybody, I think it was a group of about 30 people, everybody had a chance to say which one they liked the most and why, which one they liked the least and why. Mm-hmm. And just speaking from what I remember, I want to say everybody was kind of in the majority of leaning towards the throwback. Just some sort of throwback, something that's not the one they have now, because that was one of the options. And it was mostly older, kind of older guys who were the yeah. ones who were in favor of the current uniforms. But I'd say, without fail, people preferred 
anything but what we have now. So, uh, but there were guys there that wanted the blue and white, or some variation of I the think, current. Yeah. People oh my would, god. And, and you have to say why, and he's like, oh, it's a clean look, you know, <laughs> this is San Diego, and I, I said, yeah, I want retro because the new ones are, the current ones are generic and like uninspired, and I think a lot of people share that same sentiment, at least yeah. in my group. I know they did a bunch of different ones. Yeah, because I was gonna ask because they make it sound like the way the article was written. And, of course, they're never going to release the actual numbers. But they make it sound like the current uh, iteration of uniform was actually closer to being liked as much as the throwbacks than one would be led to believe. And I feel like that can't be right. Well, that's I read that article, and that surprised me because, I, like I said, it just totally wasn't the case in my group. Mm-hmm. People were – I mean, there were so many options. I mean, I, I'm, it's hard to remember all of them yeah. now. Some of them were weird. Some of them were kind of nice, but – I wouldn't say there's any consensus on one of the options that they had, but not the current ones. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. And it's funny because kind of refuting the article is um, the exact same thing that someone else who was there told me about. Also, they're like, dude, no way. Like, um, Because the article does make it sound like it was neck and neck between kind of blue and white and the brown. But now when you say throwback, just to clarify, um, do you think, and obviously it's based off of what you loosely remember, um, was it leaning more towards the blue and orange or more towards the brown? A lot of people liked the one. It was kind of a cream color, and they would have like brown on cream. I think a lot of people, surprisingly, I wasn't the biggest fan, it is liked unique. those a lot. Yeah. But I may have been kind of in the minority liking the orange. The orange kind of, well, I guess people on the podcast won't see it, but yeah. the Padres retro 98-style orange okay. was what I liked, but I don't know if a lot of people share that opinion. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. I personally, like, I don't know why. I just have a feeling that, like, Ron's going to be like, hey, you know what? Screw you guys. Like, we're sticking with the blue and white. But I don't. I don't know. But, I mean, there um, there has been some interesting stuff going on recently. We kind of talked about the Phil Hughes news that completely broke my heart. Um, but before, actually before that, um, we have a mutual friend, Patrick Morgan, that's the coach for your club team. Have you, have you ever seen him play? No, I missed him by either one or two years, but I've heard a lot of stories about it. So you've never seen him like take any hacks or anything like that? Just a couple in the cage. I've seen him glove ground balls during pregame. I think he stepped in first base a couple times during our pregame ground balls, but nothing serious. So give us a scouting report based off of what you've seen. Uh, I could see him having a little bit of pop in his bat. Okay. I, think, I think he was lefty. I could definitely see him turning on some fastballs. I've heard the arm and the glove were a little bit iffy. Okay. And he had... If I remember correctly, like, one really good season, like, his senior year, he was, like, just, like, kind of wildly good compared to his other years. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I mean, it's all kind of anecdotal at this point. <laughs> the legend of Pimo. Yeah. So, basically, what you're, what you're trying to nicely say is he's replacement level. So I've heard. So I've heard. <laughs> he did come out and do his best Clayton Richard impression yeah. on our adult team. But, uh, moving yeah. on, speaking of uh, replacement level, the Padres have... Uh, Seemingly upgraded at third base, Eric. Will Myers made his debut last night, and he looked much better than replacement level. Dude, what was it? The first four balls were hit at him? Yeah. Absolutely insane. And and I was sitting there, and, and I tweeted out, because I love being an asshole on Twitter, um, but I was like, dude, I can't wait for all these scouts on Padres Twitter to break down their analysis of what they saw. And then, like, four four tweets in, I'm like, fuck yeah, Will Myers, baby. <laughs> Will Myers. So, I don't um, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting that, that they're giving him a shot at third. I'm all for it because why not? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's literally nothing to lose. And I know you like to say he can't be worse than Phil Nevin. Um, I mean, he really can't be. Yeah. But I liked what I saw, obviously, one game. I know kind of the mechanics, and I know I bash on people for being scouts, but just from people that have played, you know, all three of us have played, like, you can tell it's kind his his kind of approach is kind of sketch. Very choppy. But he gets the job done, right? Yeah. I mean, that's all you can really ask for. So I'm okay with them playing him at third. I I don't know. I hesitate to say that he's a long-term option at third. Do you, Sam? Long-term? And I, I know we're basing off of one. I game. mean, how long-term we, like, for the... Like the future. Three, like the, the rest of his contract. The, Basically, the, their their window of opportunity, which I think will probably hopefully open in two thousand and twenty, but basically for like the next, I would say five years is is I would say long term option. I mean, it's been a small sample size. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of ground balls to him. Luckily, last night for people who are wondering if it was going to work out, but I'm a big fan of it. I think he's an athletic guy. I think he's kind of 
obviously open to change. He's fully on board from what from what I can tell. Yeah. But I think it could work. He's probably only going to get better. He's going to get more comfortable there. And as we all know, the log jam in the outfield, something's got to be done with um, Renfro and everybody else playing that well. I think we needed to do something to free up space at the very least just to get those guys more playing time to see what we have. And he's better than Villanueva, like, as a bat, yeah. right? Because, I mean, as much as, like, we were hyped up for Villa, he hasn't done jack shit since April. Like, yeah. he runs into a couple of bombs, but he's he just doesn't have it. I mean, we were talking to a, a couple of buddies of ours over the weekend. Oh, you can't give up on him. I'm like, dude, he's had more than enough time. He's been given, like, it's like with Perella. Like, you've given him more than enough time to see, is can you catch lightning in a bottle? And you can't. So that's the way I look at it. It's like, Myers is going to be in the lineup regardless. So you're going to move him to third whoop to do But you're upgrading over Villanueva with either Reyes or Renfro, and you're getting both of those guys in the lineup at the same time. You don't have to choose. Like, you can get them both at bats uh, the rest of the year. I like it personally. I've said before, like, I think he's an athletic enough guy. Um, it's not like he was awful in center field from a standpoint of, like, he couldn't play it. He just took bad routes. He just wasn't a center fielder from a route efficiency standpoint. He was pretty good this year in left. Yep. He's got a halfway decent arm. He unloaded on a couple throws last night that looked like he you know, had a little bit of pepper on him. So he's probably not going to be the most conventional third baseman. But for the next couple of years, while you're waiting to see, like, the next guy we have in line is Hudson Potts. And he's 19 in double A. I mean, realistically, assuming health and progression, he might be up in the next two and a half or three years. I don't think it hurts to run Myers out there, especially because it's going to open up spots. Because we still have Cordero who's on the DL. You don't know what you're going to get out of him next year either. you got to find spots for him. And this just makes sense. It gets your best bat in the lineup at a position that you really don't have anybody else at. You're not really stealing at bats away from anybody. Does anybody care that Spangenberg, Aswahe, and Villanueva are going to be sitting now that Myers is going to be on the infield? No. Not to mention, assuming that he bounces back, how much more fun does an infield of Hosmer, Urias, Tatis, and Myers sound like a year from now? That sounds a lot more fun and productive than, you know... Villanueva or enter, you know, utility major league journeyman here. Yeah, it, it really does. I mean, part of me, I think it's funny how it does seem forced to put him at third, and it seems really sudden, too. Because, like, we hadn't heard anything about Will Myers playing third unless it was from John Gennaro, <laughs> like, forever. And then out of the blue, it's like, oh, hey, Myers is taking ground balls at third. And we're like, oh, haha, that's adorable. And it's like, uh, Will Myers is coming back as a third baseman for the Storm in his rehab game. And he played one rehab game and got, like, two opportunities. And then it's like, hey, guess what? Tomorrow, Will Myers is starting at third. So, I wonder how long he's been taking ground balls. I don't though, know. Right? I don't know. I, I feel like he's maybe he's taking ground balls and they just thought he was dicking around. And then they're like, oh, wait, they're serious. Yeah. But I, went, I do wonder when they kind of threw it in his head. I wonder if he volunteered. Because he volunteered what, to play first. That's what Alonzo I've heard. I mean, that's what yeah. that's what they're trying to make it sound like, I feel like. But um, for for him to, if he did come forward, and like if he had the wherewithal to look at the team for what the it initiative. is. Initiative. And, and take the initiative to say, hey, Skip, you know, our third baseman is wildly inconsistent with the bat. Um, I feel like I can bring a lot. Put me there. I can handle it at third defensively. And kind of everything else will fall into place. I, I like how open he is to that. And I like that he takes that initiative. And it's like everything that you hear of Will, oh, he's disinterested. He's bored. He's uh, not a team player. Not this. Well, look at what he's doing for the team, dude. He knows he's a viable option in left. He would have been perfectly fine saying, hey, I'm in left. Like the rest of these guys, Renfro, Cordero, Reyes, these guys can figure it out. But he saw, assuming, again, that it was his idea, he saw an opening and he saw an opportunity to make him more um, flexible and to make the team better, and he took it. So We've had him for four seasons now, and this is the fifth different position he started <laughs> on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, like, I get the whole disinterested stuff, but it's kind of like that same stuff people got with Khalil Green. He doesn't show enough emotion. It's like, we don't know what's going through this guy's head. Yeah. I 100% believe Will Myers wants to succeed. I don't think a guy who has probably been good at baseball his entire life wants to suck if moving him into the infield is going to keep him more engaged and it's going to give the potters a better opportunity to field a better team because you know outside of via being at first last night if hosmer's at first base last night and then you have Reyes and rem from the corners margot in center to me and then galvis and then whoever at second like that's the best team you're probably going to field with the current roster you have yeah. so that's my that's my whole thing just put the best team you can on the field if Myers at third means that that's the best team you're going to have, then I am all for it, especially if you know it's true that he is the one that wanted to do it in the first place. Yeah, but a couple things about that is, one, if he does stick a third and he's 
well enough to stay there for the rest of his contract, then we're not bringing in a guy like Machado. And we've been beating the hell out of that drum. But, we have. Yeah, but I mean... Um, that's, Will Myers second baseman? That's kind of whatever, but kind mm-hmm. of a, a domino that has surfaced from that is there's rumblings of Via taking ground balls at second base. Anderson, do you think Via can hold his own at second base? Uh, I, I think the range will probably be an issue. He doesn't strike me as the most mobile guy. Oh, I mean, if, no. he does, if he does that, he'll have played every position in the infield this season. True. Which is Oh, God, good. they stuck him at short. I'm glad I fell yeah. asleep through that. Yeah. I mean, I think it could work. I mean, the Potters are at the point in the season where it's cool that they're doing it. It's sad that it's happening, but they're so bad that they're just trying new things. I mean, it's it's fun to see, but... Yeah, they already have a Mexican who can play second base. They just need to bring him up. I mean, yeah, yeah he's hopefully maybe up by this year, definitely by next year. I mean, how long is he really going to be playing second base? How long is he really going to have a spot with the team? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And it's like, guys like him, mm-hmm. guys like Perella, guys like Spangenberg, they're just all nothing you know what i mean like they're, they're nothing. backup players at this point they would not be really what they are now they're a nuisance <laughs> you know what i mean because they're blocking guys like urias from getting their shot so yeah i agree like i, I kind of laughed i was listening to make the potters great again i kind of laughed at what Gennaro was saying because he said hey like why bring up urias in september why start his clock why start that you don't start his clock in september well whatever the hell he's saying um why not just wait until the june or the super two deadline whatever it is service time for next year so, now that I hear that Villa's taking ground balls at second base, first of all, my first reaction to that is, God, he's going to be awful. My second's like, fuck. Like, that's the last thing Padres Twitter needs, is John Gennaro to be parading around that he was right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I was like, shit, dude. But, um, I don't know, man. I just I really want to see Luis Urias. I mean, he's the same age as Anderson. It's, <laughs> I just, I, I want to I see that. And I feel like by putting him at second base, we're, we're never going to see that happening. I honestly think what they're doing, and, and I wouldn't be against this, because it's been said multiple times that Urias isn't doing this year what he's been doing. Like, he kind of did hit a wall a little bit. He's striking out more. I don't know if he's walking as much. But he hasn't been, I think, as dominant as people expected him to be. I do think he's going to come up eventually. I think there was an article on The Athletic with Sam Ganey that pretty much confirmed, like, yeah, he's going to be up this year. It's just more of a matter of Well, they of have to because of the Rule yeah. 5, right? Well, they have to put him on the 40-man because of the Rule 5, but they don't have to worry about that till the offseason. But I, I think they're going to bring him up at some point. I don't mind them trying to figure out if they can stick Villanueva at third base or at second base. It's kind of like a, hey, maybe so-and-so needs an off day, or maybe it's like a, a tough lefty or... You know, a Rich Hill's on the mound, and we need a right-hander over there because, you know, we don't want Perella out there. Or we don't want Spangenberg or Swahe. So I don't mind that, trying to figure out, like, does he have enough versatility where we can kind of plug him in as, like, a quick stand-in just to be a cardboard cutout over there with a glove and get his bat in the lineup every now and then? I don't mind that, but I-, I think you're right. It is more of a nuisance now because they've got three, four guys who now play second and or third. Uh, Swahe only plays second. Perella only plays second. They haven't given him any time in the outfield since moving him, who don't really have a place on this team going forward, and they're just clogging the roster. Yeah. Like, pick one. Pick one lefty who plays second. I would honestly take Spangenberg over Swy just because he can play third. And pick between Villanueva and Perella, and I'd go with Villa because he has more pop. And then get rid of the other guys and bring up Urias and let him play every day. Like, at this point, it's fun, and it's funny, but you have a legitimate prospect who's a legitimate part of your future who's in AAA, I guess, kind of just spinning his wheels. Like, he just need, he needs to be brought up to play every day, get the fans somebody to be excited for, and get him developing now. What are you waiting for at this point? Oh, you know, he's not as dominant. He's not as dominant. His on-base is 376. It's it's not what he were used to seeing, and I can he's understand. He's 15 points off his career minor league. I minors. understand why. He's they, fine. He's I, a table he's fine. Absolutely. And, and I understand why they kept him down at first. But at this point, we're in August. Like, you wanted to, you know, see what Perella can do. Okay, great. You still have Spangenberg and Aswai, especially Aswai, who's a lot younger and more inexperienced. You wanted to see what they can do. Great. You, we're in the middle of August. Like you have another month and a half of games left at this point. These guys have all gotten extended audition time, especially Perella. I mean, he's gotten all kinds of leads. They're just now starting to bench him regularly. You already know what you're going to get out of Spangenberg. You have an idea of what you're going to get out of Aswai, but none of those guys are starters. So at this point... I get the first four months of the season, but at this point, the tread deadline's passed. You're probably not going to move too many other guys off of waivers. You're already bringing up other young guys, which we'll touch on in a second. You may as well throw fucking Urias over there instead of wasting at-bats on guys who are basically just depth players. Well, we heard, like, if you remember uh, a month or so ago, 
uh, what we heard, and this was even when Urias was struggling, <clears throat> excuse me, we were told, oh, you know, he, uh, they gave him some things to work on, mainly his double play feeds, um, you know, turning the, turning the double play, his base running, basically things that aren't hitting because they're not worried about his bat because no. it's going to translate, especially with his plate discipline. And it's like, when I hear stuff like that, and I remember stuff like that, and then I see Via at second, it just, it has service time written all over it. And I hate to, I hate to kind of like accuse the team of that. Cause I feel like this ownership's been a little bit more generous when it comes to the pockets, but Anytime I see something and I think to myself service time, it pisses me off. See, like, it doesn't piss me off because I don't blame the team for taking advantage of the system. I blame the system. You'd be, I mean, really, the Padres, they're not going to win anything this year. Probably not next year. Maybe 2020, they're relatively competitive. Maybe. So I don't blame them if they feel like, you know what, we could bring him up. He probably could hold his own. But for the betterment of the team's long-term future, we're probably better off holding him down to get that extra year when we might actually be in a playoff window. And we get another year of him instead of having to figure out, like, do, are we going to sign him? Are we going to extend him? Or are we going to have to replace him? So I don't blame that. I blame the system. It's annoying as fuck, absolutely. But it's definitely a product of the system. And I don't blame any team that does it. So let's ask the, the voice of the new fan here. The, uh, the younger version there. So kind of, Danny and I, we've, we've gone through the whole Padres being cheapskates, blah, blah, blah. When you guys see something, like, obviously you're savvy enough to know, like, hey, this is probably service time. Um, not saying Urias in particular, although that's what I think it is. Um, does that does that bug you, or or do you kind of understand that being a quote small market team, you need to pick and choose your battles? It bugs me a little bit. I think I'm used to incompetence from Padres management. We all are. I mean, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. surprise me. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of you know why why rush it if we don't have to? I mean, this is kind of. Our shot. This is we're getting really, really close to the time where these kind of moves, these promotions or lack of promotion, could really matter. It could go well. It could be too early, too late. So, I, I want to say I trust AJ Preller. I want to say I trust his judgment on that. And if that means that we have to wait a little bit longer, I'm willing to stick it out for half of one more meaningless season. Really? So if like we'll say uh, mid June of next year comes up and Uriah still isn't up. Oh my you, God. That, no, that'd be too long. I mean, I, when I say that, I mean in the context of like, if I don't see him this year, like I'd be bummed, but like he'd better be up next year competing for a starting job. Same with Tatis. So it's okay. So it's like, if he doesn't come up this year, yeah, it sucks. But if he's not up by the spring or if he's not competing to be the everyday starter, then you're pissed. Because well, yeah. then it's blatantly And you got to wonder, time. I mean, I don't mean to question Urias, for example, his makeup, but at some point, on some level, does it start to do him a disservice to be down there? Does he start maybe kind of, not regressing, but, you know, he you want to get him up when he's hot. You yeah. want to, at the best possible opportunities. Or so, motivate him, right? Right, and maybe that's kind of the mental side of things, too, where maybe you're seeing a slight dip in his numbers because, you know, he's ready for the next level, and... I don't want to say bored, but like just I, ready for something new, rules. ready for a challenge. I can see him starting to press or that. Too. You know yeah. what I mean? What more do I have to do? To yeah, get he's up? like no mama's way. Like what? What the <laughs> hell do I need to do to get called up? Like he probably. I'm sure those guys keep their eyes on the major league roster. Oh, and, absolutely. And how those guys are doing? And like, I wonder. Part of me wonders if he checks and he's like, dude, like Perella sucks, Spanderberg sucks, Via sucks, Aswahe sucks, Aswahe sucks. Galvis sucks. Well, yeah, and, and all these guys are here, and I'm not getting my shot. So I don't I don't know. And then you mentioned Galvis. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this, Anderson. A lot of people are saying, hey, you know, with Tatis, yeah, with Tatis being hurt, maybe we just go ahead and bring Galvis back for a year, maybe two years. Are you in favor of that or not, and why? The only way I could see it working, it would have to be another one-year deal. It would have to be obviously affordable. Mm-hmm. And I think the most important part, he's got to be willing to maybe not play every day and maybe play some third base, which I don't know how receptive that to be. I'm not sure exactly how old he is. I know he's still young enough to, if he goes to a different team, to be playing every day, to be their shortstop if somebody would take him. Yeah. But I think ideally, maybe if we do resign him, he could mentor Tatis a little bit with the glove. Obviously not the best offensively. Right. So... I don't think we need to. If we did, I would hope it would be, you know, short term and with flexibility so he's not blocking Tatis. Yeah. But, I mean, what he's done up the middle has at least been fun to watch, but not the bat. He's been hot lately, I'll give him that. So, I think I'm ready for Tatis. I think I've seen enough of Freddie Galvis, and 
hopefully next year, at least Tatis will be in there competing for it. And I should preface it with, I, I know I just mentioned like a little rant on service time and all that. Tatis is the one guy where I'm like, okay, like let's let's play the game here. Like if yeah. the game is yeah. there, don't hate the player, hate the game. Nobody's shitting Tatis. on the Cubs right now. Nobody shits on the Cubs right for now. Chris Bryant. For Chris Bryant. Yeah. Like, I don't blame the Angels either because now they get Mike Trout for next year where they can maybe try to win, you know, 50% of their games. Um, as far as... Well, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, going off of what you just said, Anderson, about bringing Galvis back and uh, under the terms in which you'd be okay with them bringing back, it kind of makes me think about how we are as Padre fans. And, like, if you remember leading up to the deadline, it's like, hey, Chris Archer. Like, yeah, it'd be cool to get Chris Archer, but not if we give up Paddock or Patino or any of those guys, which is reasonable. But I feel like as Padre fans, we're like, hey, we want Mike Trout, but don't you dare ask for Michelle Baez. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like we have kind of, like, unrealistic expectations. And to hear, like, oh, hey, like, yeah, we'd like to have you back, but it'd just be one year. The money has to be right. Uh, you have to be okay with the fact that you're not going to play every day, even though you've been notorious for playing every single day. Like, we have to remember, these players have to want to agree to those terms. You right. know what I mean? So so part of me wonders, like, yeah, I'm sure the Padres will offer something like that, but I think it's kind of like, hey, here's what we have to offer. Go out there and, like, I dare you to find something better. And if you, if you don't find anything better, then this is on the table and come back and do this. I honestly so. think Galvis could, though. Like, I think... People like he hasn't really been like somebody pointed out. Oh, you know he played different positions on the Phillies. He wasn't their everyday guy. He's mostly played shortstop. He's basically a transitional yeah. shortstop as they got to who's supposed to be their guy this year, Crawford. Um, but for the most part, he's played shortstop, and that I've said this all year. The only reason that he's going to find roster spots as a major leaguer is because there's all his teams that are going to need a shortstop to fill in. He's got a pretty good glove, even though he doesn't hit a ton. He's still enough. He's still serviceable enough as a shortstop to put, even on a mediocre team. If the Padres were a winning team, you know, if they were a winning ball club, you wouldn't mind a Freddie Galvis, just like you wouldn't mind a Jose Iglesias, right? Like, you know, he's good enough with the glove if you have a team around him where you don't really care. There's going to be teams next year that are going to need shortstops. I think the Tigers are, are done with Iglesias. I'm pretty sure he's a free agent. The Tigers will need a shortstop. Uh, the Blue Jays, I don't know who their shortstop is right now. Tulowitzki, he's always hurt. Yeah. So they could plug in Galvis while they wait on Bichette or whoever their shortstop of the future is. There's teams next year. The Orioles are another team. They're going to need a fucking shortstop, probably. Yeah, the free agent market is very sketch it, for it, shortstops. It is, and there's a lot of crummy teams next year that are going to need somebody to fill in. So I don't think it's going to be hard for Galvis to find like an opportunity to play somewhere every day. I don't think they should resign him. Not it has nothing to do with the money. I mentioned this on Twitter when people were like, "I can't see why they wouldn't want people wouldn't want to bring him back." The Padres are going into this supposed forty-man roster crunch, right? Like they have guys. <clears throat> excuse me. They have to figure out how are we going to get on the forty-man, and they and they're trying to you know create spots for them. If you sign Galvis, it's not about the money. It's that he's going to eat up a spot on the forty-man roster to basically be at most a six to twelve-week stopgap. Is that really worth it? Like, I, I love looking at money. I look at it like it's a waste of resources to me. And that you can give his 40-man spot to somebody else. If Tatis isn't ready or you want to give him a six- to eight-week run in AAA next year, just to get him ready because he's, he's not going to have been playing for a while, even if he does play in the fall and he plays Winter Ball, it's like, you know, we want to get him better, you know, get him ready against, like, like competition. Urias can fill in it short. Urias can fill it short. Is it really so bad if you see Javi Guerra strike out 100 <laughs> times for, like, six weeks? If it means that you're going to get Tatis at the end of the tunnel, I am 100% convinced, glove-wise, Guerra's not going to be a step down from Galvis. If you look at their He's minor league... going to be a step up. Probably. If you look at their minor league numbers as hitters, Galvis was actually worse in the minors than he is in the majors. Somehow. Yeah. I don't know how. <laughs> but, like, is it really going to be so bad to see Javi Guerra post a 40 weighted runs created plus for six weeks while you know Tatis is coming? No. And you get... He's already on the 40-man. You get to clear up Galvis's 40-man spot for somebody else... Maybe Urias, maybe Paddock or somebody who they can bring up next year instead of wasting the time and money and resources on bringing back, you know, a, a, you know, a recycled player that you don't really need. He's not a part of the long-term option. And you have somebody that can step in now to fill that spot for a little while while you wait for the Lord and Savior. But he has dreadlocks, though. I don't care. James Clark smelled them. Oh, my God. Is that, was that really... Yeah. You really just smell him? Yeah. Why, James? Why? Why are well, you Well, he hugged that? him in spring training. They're yeah, friends. But, but still... Um, that's so weird. We're talking about mediocre shortstops. Anderson, you mentioned Khalil Green earlier. Um, <laughs> if we if we take Khalil Green out of the out of the equation because the Padres shortstop has been a black hole forever, 
If you take Khalil Green out of the equation, who do you resonate as the shortstop? Ooh, well, Everett Cabrera comes to mind before yeah, he got popped one. for steroids. <laughs> he was pretty filthy with the glove, and uh, he had some pop. I mean, he kind of fell off there at the end. He was an all-star, so I mean... Yeah, and he wasn't... I said he wasn't only a shortstop, but mm-hmm. Alexi Amarista. I, mean, I think oh he got some god. games in there. I think I'm stretching because I want to talk about him. Oh my god! But I was a huge fan of him, as bad as he was. So uh. those two guys. Oh god, there's been so many just so Anderson's poorly like, mediocre players. He's like, I'm starting to think they brought me in here so they can make fun of me. <laughs> yeah, I'll take what I can get. Um, yeah, that's God. That's that's so crazy, dude. That's absolutely so crazy. So you you like Urias a lot as a sec, uh, fellow second baseman there. Um, we saw that he played shortstop for the Team Mexico in the World Baseball Classic. Um, kind of bringing a rookie up from AAA up to the next level, the highest level they'll ever play at Major Leagues. Do you, are you like kind of like, hey, let him stay where he's comfortable defensively at second? Or are you like, hey, you know what, I want to see him. He can play short. Let's just see what he has there until Tatis is ready. I'm totally fine with starting him at shortstop if we have to. I mean... I think as good as he is with the glove, it's going to transfer. And I think a lot of times it's easy to forget that, I mean, they're just, they're people, they're freak athletes. If you make it to that level of Major League Baseball, you're just an insanely talented, gifted athlete. And moving a couple feet across the diamond to shortstop, I don't think is going to be that big of a challenge for him. I mean, kind of similar to what, what happened with Will Myers. I mean, I think these guys are just athletic enough that it might take a little bit of adjustment but it's nothing that's going to phase them and with him it's not going to affect him long term I don't think it's not like he hasn't played it right like he played in the world baseball classic they had him uh, flip-flopping back and forth last year until like Tatis decided to say hey man this is my spot but you know I I was saying it last year like is it really so bad if he's our shortstop until Tatis gets here and we actually had blowback on that people like no no absolutely not he has he's a second baseman he's a long-term second baseman it's like look Carlos Correa is probably a long-term third baseman. They just stuck with him at shortstop. Manny Machado moved to third base as a rookie, and I'm not comparing him talent-wise, but Machado was a shortstop until he got to Baltimore, and they're like, okay, go to third. Alex Bregman was a shortstop until he got to Houston. Okay, go to third. It's literally you're taking a talented young player who can be on the roster now and is going to make you better now, and you're just putting him in a position where it may not be his natural position, but he can play it. Now, shortstop's obviously the most demanding infield position other than catcher, so... You know, it's obviously going to be a little bit tougher. We should expect less. But every scouting report you read on Urea says, like, he's not a true shortstop. He's going to be a really good defensive second baseman. But it's not like he's going to embarrass himself at short. Like, he can play the position. It's not He's just not going to be plus. He's going to be a solid, decent defensive shortstop. And if he gets his bat in the lineup, then so be it. It's just funny how, like, a year ago when you and I were talking about this, we were like, no, no, leave him at second. And now it's like... Well, maybe he can play short. Absolutely he can do it. The Padres believe he can do it. Well, I feel like the situation's changed a little bit from when, the time we were talking about it. But um, what I I just had this thought here about uh, next season. <laughs> I'm like, dude, if they start Urias at short and he's serviceable, I think he'll be better than serviceable. Yeah. Imagine how much better he's going to look when they move him back to second. Like, going off the eye test, it's gonna be like, oh, shit, this guy's a stud. You know what I mean? I know that shouldn't mean anything, but just kind of... I said that thought to myself. I'm like, dude, start him at short, and he's not going to embarrass himself over there. And when you move him to second, he's going to look that much better. His so. bat's going to play. Oh, I yeah. Mean, Hell, it, yeah. You know, his bat's going to play. It might play actually better at short just because the offensive ceiling is so much lower yeah. than uh, than second base. But if that's what's going to get him in the lineup, and it's going to buy you some time to get Tatis up, absolutely. I would do it now. If a team decided they wanted to claim Galvis on waivers and they decided to let him go, because there's teams that would need you know some infield help, I'd fucking absolutely do it and say, okay, Luis. Here's your shot. Go yeah. play short. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm the same way. I feel like, um, yeah, it's a lot to look forward to next year. Without, next year's going to be super interesting, dude. I feel like there's a lot of pitchers coming up. So the guys that came up this last week, I feel like it's been kind of uh, like wave 1.5. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you have uh, Jacob Nix. You have Brett Kennedy that, that came up. And, you know, Kennedy had a rough first outing. And I even said last week, like, hey, I'm not going to judge him off his first outing, but lot. God. A lot of 95 flat stakes right over the middle of the plate. Yeah. I, I think even Anderson could hit Brett Kennedy after <laughs> last week. Like, um, you did you watch his start, Kennedy? 
Uh, yeah, I watched the beginning part. And, and what'd you think I, of it? <laughs> it was tough. I mean, I think, like, even a lot of people are saying on Twitter, like, you, you feel for him because I think it was one of the worst starts in, like, rookie debuts in MLB history, at least yeah. Padres-wise. Oh, my God. So, I mean, I hope he bounces back. There's definitely something to be said about how good he was in the minor leagues. I mean, 10-0 with that ERA. Yes. Which was very low. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know if he's of the caliber of a lot of the guys like Jacob Nix who have come up and who are going to come up, yeah. but... You gotta give them a shot. I mean, like we said earlier, this is the time of year where the Potters are trying new things, and why not? I mean, they could win every game for the rest of the season. It still wouldn't be a good year. Worst case is stuff plays up in the bullpen. Yeah, I feel like guys like Kennedy, guys like Lockett. Those oh, I have even less faith in Lockett than I do Kennedy. Same, Kennedy. same. But I feel like those guys are like, <laughs> see what you got, guys. Whereas Nick's, I feel like he's a future guy. Yeah, like I, I agree. Yeah, it's they're kind of on different calibers as far as players. So I was super pumped when Nick's made his start. I wasn't happy that it was that he got his shot at the at the expense of uh, King Phil, but I'll I take it. I liked what I saw out of Knicks. I really liked what I saw out of Knicks. I feel like uh, I, I feel like the stuff is gonna play and his his breaking ball. Everyone says his breaking ball is so great, but I didn't really see it in his first start. I didn't so either. He actually got it. I, I, his he, change. His change money, is filthy. Yeah. I mean, his change was dirty. To quote our good friend from Bluntly Padres, Matt Luan. Sit the fuck down. <laughs> His changeup is pretty dirty. Um, I, He's like, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the changeup. The curveball I was not impressed with. It, it got He hung it a couple. He got he lucky. Did. I mean, yeah. he threw six shutout innings, and everybody's going, oh, you know, that's it's great. This is the whole uh, when the, the I don't need to watch the games comes back to bite me in the ass because if you actually watch this start, like it looks good on paper, right? Six shutout innings. He struck out, I believe, six. He walked three. I got a pretty good... A pretty good overall out, a really good overall outing when you look at it that way. But when you actually watch it, there are a couple times where he kind of got bailed out a little bit, yeah. either by defense or just because he just was able to pitch around it. But um, I, I liked what I saw just in general. I, I stated when we saw him at the Futures game last year, I was on Knicks when they drafted him because I knew he was from uh, the Astros. Yeah, um, that Aiken debacle. He got, he still got 1.5 million. He still got a signing bonus, and he got to get drafted and got a second signing bonus. That worked yeah, out really well. It did. Um, but we were lucky enough where at the Futures game, we were sitting in front of his parents. I'm yeah. really pretty sure we were in front of his mom. And we were, it uh, was either his mom or a huge Jacob Nix yeah, fan. Yeah, one or the other. And we were talking. I was like, dude, this guy looks like a bulldog. He looks like yeah. a middle of rotation anchor, 200 innings guy. Look at the changeup. He throws harder than I thought uh, he threw. He's sitting 94. My only, my only critiques was. He kind of leaves the ball over the plate for lefties, especially with that hanging curveball. If I say anything, maybe they get him to throw a cutter just to kind of mix it up with lefties. But just in pure stuff, just like looking at him and then seeing Lauer, Lucchese, Kennedy, Lockett, the guys who made their debuts, um, even to a point Strom, who's not really a rookie but still a young, maybe future guy. Nick, so far, is the guy I'm most excited for for the rest of the year to watch. Yeah, he was, uh, I mean... Again, He's got that grit, Eric. Again, first start. Yeah. First start. You know, I... <laughs> When I see uh, Jacob Nix, I see like a an innings eater. Bulldog. I see John like he Lackey. He has the build, doesn't he? Yeah, he kind of has the build. Yeah. Like he can be our horse. And I know that he kind of had the groin issues, but um, it seems like everything's fine. But yeah, Looks again, good. first start jitters. I feel like the adrenaline was flowing. Um, so that's when I see kind of the curveballs being hung a little yeah. bit. When I see the spotty command on the fastball. That's what I chalk it up to. Like, I, I don't want to sit there and judge him until I see a few more starts. I'm going to need, like, 20 starts. I'll be interested to see how he fares when he starts facing teams that have a book on him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the second time scouting. through the Second time through the, uh, through yeah. the uh, schedule. That's that's what I'll be interested to see. But, I mean, just based off of one start, based off of his stuff, based off of the scouting reports that we've seen from him, I think he's immediately ahead of guys like Lauer and guys like Lucchese. What Absolutely. What about you? Yeah, I was at the game at Petco for his debut. And, I mean, he started off, as a lot of people do, a little bit shaky. Seems like he got some help from his defense, some balls that were hit hard. But as the night went on, I mean, I don't know the exact numbers on it, but I was impressed by how much he was working ahead in the count. It's just spotting up that first pitch, getting that first pitch strike. And then it seemed like he really settled in. I was just kind of impressed by his poise, his demeanor. Like you guys were saying, bulldog-type guy. The stuff looked good. You can see on Twitter the overlay of the changeup and the fastball. It's oh, yeah. Almost identical. It looks like it'd be impossible to hit. That and just, man, what was I gonna say? Um, yeah, I mean, it's the alcohol. That's it. <laughs> it's the alcohol. <laughs> you need some drink, some more water. Yeah. I told you, young man. Powerade Zero will be your friend as you uh, venture off in this next chapter of your life. But uh, yeah, he's uh, when I see that changeup tailing away from the lefties and into the righties, 
that's what gets me excited, dude. That's what gets me jacked. Like, I love seeing movement on pitches. And it doesn't hurt that he was sitting there throwing. I mean, he was sitting, what, 94? That's yeah, he was sitting 94, yeah. I just remembered seeing the velo towards the end of his start was still up there, still even maybe a tick higher. It seemed yeah. like he had more left in the tank when Green yanked him. Yeah, I dude, I love seeing that. And, like, I, I started to get really stoked on him, like, last year when uh, – he was, he was throwing at Elsinore, and it was like 100 degrees outside, if not hotter. He threw a complete game two-hitter. <laughs> like a two-hit shutout with like He's a California punches. boy, man. It was nothing for him. It yeah. was usual. Yeah, nine shutties, yeah. as uh, AC would say. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm just I'm really stoked to see how he's going to progress going forward. And like, like you said, once guys start facing him for the second time to see how they adjust... Um, but even then, like, w- when we see guys like uh, Denilson Lamette and we see guys like, you mentioned Brett Kennedy, for those guys, I can kind of see maybe them translating to the bullpen. I don't see Nix as a bullpen guy. I don't either. I don't see him at all. I don't I, either. I think it's starter or bust for him, and I think he's I think he's going to stick. I, I agree. And I think because with with Nix, I don't think he has the upside of, like, a, a Lamette who looks like he could be electric if he could figure out a changeup. But worst case, he's like a bullpen arm, um, like a high leverage bullpen arm. Whereas with Nick's, I think there's too much there. Like he's got, he's got, he got to get better as the time went on. You know, as the game went on, he wasn't leaving too many balls over the plate, mm-hmm. um, and it gets a pretty good offense. So I, I think with him, he has the control and the command where, you know, he's going to be able to. St- I, he's more of a safe bet, right? Like there's 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 not as wide a range of outcomes that you're going to get from Jacob Nix's development as opposed to, like, a lament. Like, he doesn't have the same upside, but you're not getting these, like, wildly different results out of, like, he could be a you know a, a swingman, or he could be a middle or top of the rotation starter. He could be a high-leverage reliever. Like, I think Nix is pretty comfortably going to be, at worst, a number four starter, probably a pretty a really good number three or a solid number two. Right, and there's there's a little bit of debate being sparked now because of the play of the guy, uh, of the guy receiving these pitchers, and that's Austin Hedges. So it seems like, um, and I know it's a little bit before the Mejia trade, but it seems like that really like lit a fire under his ass because he's been going off offensively, um, which is nice to see. I mean, the defense, you you know what you're getting out of Hedges. Um, Anderson, for you, knowing what Mejia, or seeing what Mejia could potentially bring to the table and kind of seeing the emergence, I should say, of Austin Hedges, are you team swoon or are you team, hey, I want to see what Mejia has? I definitely want to see what Mejia has, but I'm a little partial to Hedges, like you said. Racist. Especially with, <laughs> especially with how he's been playing the last couple of weeks, getting that average up. I mean, his glove, to me, is just so good that if he can hit, like, I, I mean, it's sad to say, but if he can go 250 at the plate and just keep the lights out defense, I think there's always room for a guy like that. That being said, seeing what Mejia's doing, seeing the videos of him throwing guys out down there. His arm looks good. I mean, oh, yeah. people say he's bat first. I mean, that's probably an accurate assessment, but... He's great at, like, an 80 arm. Yeah, so, I mean, if he can just get a little bit better on defense, I think Hedges is going to be, you know, fighting for his job a little bit more. Hedges th- looks like a really nice trade piece in the winter. I was going to say, do you think they trade him in the offseason at all? Uh, I mean, it depends on if we see Mejia this end of this year, maybe see what we get. I'd be... Hesitant to trade Hedges before we get a good look at Mejia because, I mean, why not give a little bit more time? I mean, if there's a really good deal that's too good to pass up that comes up in the offseason, why not? I mean, we'll just take our chances. But I'd like to hang on to him for a little bit longer until we can really get a better feel for how Mejia is going to translate to the big league level. Doesn't it seem funny, though, seeing how well he's been playing recently and obviously hoping he can maintain this? Does, doesn't the thought of like having this guy who we've hung our hat on forever, like, hey, he's a part of the future... Doesn't seem kind of funny just to like, hey, be like, hey, you're now a backup. It does seem weird, but he hasn't. I want to say he hasn't quite lived up to what at least I personally thought it was going to be. I mean, I know the AAA, the PCL is a really hitter friendly league, right. so maybe the numbers were a bit inflated. But I mean, I saw him down there, kind of tearing it up with when Margot and Renfro were down there at the same time, and thinking he's going to be of that caliber, maybe with the bat. Maybe I was a little bit too optimistic, but. I want to, I've been a little disappointed with how he's been playing, at least offensively. So yeah. it seems weird, but it's close to reality that he might get moved. Yeah, and plus, I mean, I feel like catchers these days, if, if you have a catcher that catches like 115, 120 games, it's like, damn, that guy played a full load this season. You yeah. know what I mean? So I feel like there's something to be said for, I think Hedges will get plenty of PT if he's like the day game after night game guy. Um, if Mejia's caught like two or three in a row to give him a shot. 
I feel like they'll be able to split time, like not directly down the middle, but well enough to where Hedges never gets ice cold. Yeah. Or Mejia never gets ice cold by and getting another the DH guy shot. And Mejia can go stand in the outfield. Dude, how third. often do they have the DH? Like but you, I mean, you mentioned have... that over this weekend. You're like, oh yeah, you know it's fine because they have a DH. Do they? Like when, they, when do they have they the have, DH? I don't know. Maybe they have five or ten games against American American League team where they can use the DH. It's another way to use them. As far as Hedges goes, though, honestly, I mean. I would I would shop him pretty hard. I've got his number since the break, which I think July fifteenth is when they came back um, from the Sounds Austin about break. Right. Yeah. yeah. So since then he's hitting two eighty six at three thirty eight on base. He's slugging five forty three. He's thirty percent better than league average since then, and he's sporting a three hundred batting average on balls in play. So it's not like he's got this like super high like oh he's hitting four hundred on balls in play that he's in no way shape or form going to maintain right like three hundred's about league average. So. Um, he's still striking out, just not a ton, uh, as much as he used to. And he's drawing more walks. So, I mean, I honestly think if he keeps it up, like, this might be for real. He's not going to slug 540, but the, the what he's sporting now, like, this might be the real Austin Hedges. I think there's an opportunity where you can cash in and trade him. And I know that's so Padres, right? It's getting good. we got to trade <laughs> yeah. him out. But I think if you choose between him and Mejia, you know, they got Mejia for a reason. And, and looking at that and, like, Knowing yeah, like, but you could argue that that reason was to flip him because they seemed willing to do that in an archer trade. Maybe, but we don't know how much. Like we don't know how true that really is, right? I mean, those are rumors, right? And they're never going to substantiate them. So, to me, it's like I, I think them going out and getting a major league ready catcher. It's not like when they got Grandal and and they drafted Hedges like the year before. Right? It's like well, we know this guy's like four years away. We can get four or five years out of this major league ready catcher. You know. They got a guy who could probably be up and probably should be up right now. I think that speaks volume as to how they feel about Hedges um, in the future. Just like Cordero making the team pretty much off the bat and starting over Renfro you know, as the rookie outfielder, I think spoke more towards how the team felt about Cordero and how little they felt about Renfro. So I can see them flipping. There's teams that need catching. The Red Sox need an everyday catcher. You know, I think they're losing Sandy Leon and... You know, Hedges might be a good fit there. There's other teams that will need catchers going forward. So, I think you're right. I think they can find playing time for everybody, especially because Mejia can play left field and third. And, you know, they can give them, okay, both these guys. We're going to try to get them in 81 games and then mix and match about trying to get each of them to 100, 120. But to me, if you're going to go with your two young catchers, you got to go with one. Yeah. To me, you're, you're not going to do Mejia any favors doing to him what they did to Hedges or, you know, splitting time. And you're not going to do Hedges any favors by splitting time either. I think both of those guys – the max way to get them value is to be as everyday catchers. So I, I, I'm, I'm okay with them running with hedges for now, but I think long-term you have to decide who's going to be the guy. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. All we can do is wait and see, you know, and continue to watch these games, continue to watch them play out. Um, if you guys are listening to this, we're recording it on Tuesday. Um, I'll be at the game on Wednesday. I'll be at the game on Thursday. I'll be at the game on Sunday. All um, on the dime of the wonderful Seidler and Fowler family. We yeah. do want to thank them for constantly uh, copying the uh, 5.5 podcast. Yeah, I, I can't thank Wayne Partello enough. He's always been great to the show. Um, so, yeah, if you're at the game, let me know. Uh, I'd love to meet up with the guys. I'm on keto until Sunday, so I won't have beer with you. But um, uh, let me know. I, I would love to, to meet up with you guys. We're about an hour in here. Um, our, our first episode in the post Phil Hughes era. Everybody, it's Phil Hughes of the San Diego Padres, and you're listening to the 5.5 podcast. I know, Phil. Don't interrupt me. I, I, I know. We miss you too, pal. Um, but uh, we appreciate you coming in, Anderson. Again, at A Hagler 5 um, he is the sports editor at USD Vista, contributor to e, uh, EVT, East Village Times. Check them out there at EVT News, at EVT underscore news, at e Padres EVT podcast, at e.v.t. E, e. At, no, I'm kidding. Um, Do you want to drink a water after rattling off? That was impressive. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm totally kidding. But um, So, Anderson, going into the offseason, obviously I know we have about a month or so away. Um, just kind of to wrap it up here, what do you want to see from them in the offseason? Like opening day 2019, how, what are you hoping for? As far as acquisitions, roster acquisitions, moves. Acquisitions, roster moves, resigning Machado, Harper, are we doing nothing, are we standing pat? What do you want to say? Well, I think at some point you have to get a starting pitcher and a good, experienced, like ready right now starting pitcher. I don't know if we need it this offseason, but I mean, personally, I'd like to see, you know, I like the move, for example, that the Astros made with Verlander. They were a lot closer to contention, obviously, when they did that. So somebody like that. And then the Will Myers thing kind of, like you mentioned earlier, kind of throws a wrench in the gears of the whole sign of lights out third baseman. I would like Arenado. I think he might be 
after, like, not this next offseason, but the one after that. I yeah. think he'd be a great fit if Will doesn't stick. I was going to say, it gives you another year to find out Myers. I like the idea a lot. But, yeah, I mean, that's just pitching, and I think third base is one of the few positions where we don't have somebody in the pipeline coming up who's an absolute stud. So okay. those would be my two takes for the upcoming off-seasons. Cool. Well, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll check that out. Um, I'll mark the tape there, so if you're wrong, I'm going to throw it in your face. <laughs> I'll throw it in your face next year. But, uh, Danny, you got anything before we're out of here? No, no. Um, I do, uh, and I posted this on social media uh, this past week, but for everybody that reached out, I, I've gotten multiple DMs. I had people on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram uh, reaching out about my grandfather's passing. Very much appreciated. I, I really appreciate it, um, and I, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for, uh, for letting me know you guys care. Cool. So he's on Twitter at 5.5Dan. Again, A or at AHagler5. Uh, I'm obviously at MiserableSDFan. Um, thank you, dude. Thank you so much to our, our many, many fun and amazing listeners on Reddit. Can't thank you enough for all the great feedback we have on Reddit. It is always, always appreciated. Um, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next week. We're out of here.